0: Welcome to one more, and we all go. I'm Frank. I'm Brad. I'm Donnie, and Donnie
1: is uh, a good friend of mine. Has a fantastic story, I think. I, as far as I know, he's partners with Elon down in Texas, right? You guys own SpaceX together, is that right?
2: <laughs> Not quite own, but I do work for Elon. <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> so
0: let's uh, let's start at the the very beginning. As, as Brad, I'm stealing your uh, material here, Brad. We're going to start clear back at the beginning. And uh, what we're going to talk about, Donnie, is uh, – so tell us about uh, growing up in southwest Iowa.
2: I don't know really what to say about it. Uh, I, you know, secretly hated it at uh, first, but but grow to love it as I get older. I think that's how a lot of people are. You know, I, I live in a small town now. I try to seek out, like, smaller towns, smaller community. Never been much for city and uh, people, per se.
0: Yeah, people are the worst. People are – the best. I actually like people. You guys are wrong in this. All of them? Just every single person I've ever met.
1: Yeah. I, I give them a chance, but I, I'm not just going to like them automatically. I'll, I'll give them a chance, but they got to earn it.
0: <laughs> All right, Donnie. So,
1: obviously, uh Brad and I know that uh, you graduated uh,
0: with this uh, here. Uh, then you enlisted in the Army. What was the decision behind that?
2: Uh- um, it was along the lines of a small town. Um, you know, I'm not uh, a superstar at much of anything, and I didn't want to get um, in in my mind trapped in uh, in that small town type thing. Hey, um, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Damn the <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Brad, you had a, a place to go, right, farming and stuff yeah. like that. Um, Frank, you're, you know, you've always been good at what you've done. I, I still have the middle school, uh, what the hell is the thing I'm thinking of? The yearbook where I got voted most annoying? Yep. Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Still got that, where I think uh, Frank said he was going to sell used cars for a little bit and then he was going to work at the radio. You did so, sell cars, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Absolutely did. I've wanted to be on the radio since yeah, I was eight, that's, so. ex- that's my point. Exactly worked out. So. I really didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I, I guess in my mind, I figured that if I'd stayed there, I wouldn't, you know, kind of aspire to anything else. Like I would be blue collar worker, which is fine. I, I generally speaking still am, but you know, obviously there's more opportunity in other places versus, you know, Carson.
1: Well, so. kudos to you because it does take some Nuts. Some some nuts and balls to to fly out of the nest and go out on your own and start a new job and career and life and build a family and from what I can see on the
2: outside it looks
1: like you're doing a great job at it.
2: Yeah, thank you. I I feel pretty good. Um, uh, certainly never thought that I would be where I am now. Like at that time, where I'm at now was not even a dream that I would try to achieve. You know, or think about. So right.
1: A little backstory, like Frank said. How many kids you got? How old are they?
2: Uh, I have two girls. Um, Sierra is 19 and uh, starting her second year at Texas Tech. Um, Lucy is 11, and uh, this is her first year of middle school.
0: It's nonstop action. So uh, tell us what you did when you uh, joined the Army.
2: So when I joined, I you know, the Army, you get to, not all branches, you get to pick what your job is. The Army is different in that sense where you do I didn't score very high. I'm not uh, super educated, I guess, per se, but um, I scored high in mechanical. So I went. Uh, I got a line score that was good to to go on working on Black Hawk helicopters. When I thought about that, I was like, well, I don't know anybody that works on helicopters. I bet they get paid good money. So that was the the thought process. So I, I got in doing doing that. So I,
1: I find helicopters fascinating because the way they cheat physics or defy physics, however you want to say it. Do you ever get a chance to fly them? Because it really seems like a fascinating procedure to, to learn to fly them and get in them. And...
2: No, never, never piloted anything like that. Um, I I've rode on um, several, but never anything like that. I've been on uh, several Blackhawks and uh, taken a few rides on Chinooks too, which are the you know the magic school bus looking uh, <laughs> the heavy looking lifters. Guys. Is
1: that right? those are a lot of capacity it's not like a
0: mechanic that uh, you take him in you're like hey my engine's making a weird noise can you take a look at it and he fixes what he thinks needs fixed and then he takes it around the block to make sure you didn't fix what you thought and then take the helicopter up and bring her back
2: Uh, never did any maintenance test fighting stuff. There are certain units as you go that do more of like the crew chief is what, is what they call it. I never got put into one of those units. And then as I started to progress into that stuff, I got picked up for E-5 and there's only, you know, so many positions for stuff like that. So, I I have um, no idea what E-5 is. You have to break that down for us. So it's just a sergeant. It's just a, Military rank is okay. all it is, Brad. All right, so, basically yeah. it's the pay grade. E five is about yeah. A pay so, grade
0: than an E four.
1: Okay,
2: so it goes up with yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's private, you know, uh, uh PV two, and then you move up to Sham Shield E four stuff. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's part of
1: my pay grade. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I it, can push it's these buttons really that and Brad can drive a so, tractor.
1: <laughs> so when you started into it and you get to working on helicopters and you saw what you liked doing, you enjoyed it. Where did you see yourself? Did you say, Hey, I want to move forward with this. I want to move forward in the military. You know, I want to be a Colonel or something of that nature. Uh, where, where'd you see yourself climbing um, to when you started in that?
2: Uh, I didn't really see myself like climbing in the, in the military. The, the mindset that I always had was to, you know, do my time and then get out and get towards the civilian sector of where the money was, in my opinion. So I did uh, you know, my six-year enlistment because it's a technical job. They try to get the most out of that training because the training costs money. Right. So it was a six-year enlistment. Uh, I did get involuntary stop lost for my last tour. So I did a little over seven years on a six-year enlistment and then got out which was 2008. Tell us because you, you mentioned
0: you were deployed, at Donnie. What, uh, what was it like over there? Because you went to Afghanistan, right?
2: Uh, Iraq twice. Oh.
0: I don't know you at all. Hi, I'm Frank. So
2: so when Blackhawk Hawk, Down, <laughs> yeah, what so, could they have done uh, better? <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the, the first tour was OIF-1 with uh, 4th Infantry Division, and that was like the initial kind of like pushes into stuff. That being said, being super clear, as being aviation, I'm not kicking in doors or doing anything uh, of that of that nature. Like there's no heroics. Per per se, I guess. Yeah, but you're giving um, sure those guys who do have a ride. Yes, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um. A, a lot of that. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to downplay what I did, but I also I don't want to come off like some hero thing. I I don't really care much for that. I I did what I did for me, to be honest. Um, which sounds selfish, but that's the reality. So I try to avoid that mindset. I guess of like a hero or I don't know whatever whatever people go with these days. Well, you're still a veteran um, so anyhow,
1: to keep America safe, so we appreciate your service. I don't. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, we, <laughs>
2: me and my children. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, so. I, I certainly appreciate that too. It just, uh, I don't know, it gets awkward for me personally. I, enjoy I know. My warm some
0: people. <laughs> me too. So, do you do you take advantage of Veterans Day and go to the grocery store for free breakfast and, and donuts and stuff?
2: No, usually I forget whatever that stuff is. I, I do take some advantages in the like uh, you know a veteran discount at certain places. A lot of times I forget about that shit too. So, <laughs> what do.
1: yeah. Your if wife they ask me, I'm like, yeah, I'm a veteran. Day. <laughs> you get a 65 uh, cent cup of coffee.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: No. You were talking about your deployment what you did over there in Afghanistan, right? Uh,
2: Iraq twice. Iraq. Listen oh. up. Iraq, Iraqistan. Okay. Yeah. Iraqistan. So, first tour, uh, first tour was a lot of setup and guard duty. I was lower enlisted then, so it's like chores, a lot of chores. Guard duties, uh, handling like helping with the kitchen type stuff. Uh we we did have to burn poop. That's a thing. So you weren't into Uh, burnout yet?
1: You weren't working on helicopters yet at that point?
2: Yeah, a little bit of a weird situation. Like my first tour, I actually went with DISCOM. So they have a a branch that they pick people to help service the computer programs that we use to service stuff. I don't know if that's going to make any sense. So... Uh, for example the the military used OLS a and it is a a program that is used to document all the maintenance of everything so they would pick people out of their units and doing their regular job particularly people that were new to the military and had extra years and, and put them in those positions working on computer programs essentially okay uh, so my first deployment was with discom working on those computer programs so i wasn't working on helicopters right okay. at the time
1: nerd <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah when we knew each other back 20 years ago when we we're all going to school you, you didn't like computers and enjoy doing computer stuff at all that i remember oh you kidding me he was all about aol instant chat were you well, I'll be down. Shows what I know.
0: <laughs> he's the one that taught me how the early internet, he, he, you could go to a website that would have like a free picture of a naked chick, and then you'd have to buy to get more. But he taught me that if you go up to the, the address bar and you just backspace a certain amount, it would give you the whole gallery. Yeah. Thing, and you could beat it off to take, your hearts. Content. Take you
2: right into their directory. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> so, yeah, he's yeah. always been pretty good with computers. No
1: wonder AOL went broke. Hackers like you
2: guys, how long long
1: were you back
0: before they sent you to your second tour?
2: Well, similar to like what I was saying earlier, where I wasn't really doing my job, I came back and within a few months, you can call Branch, right? And because I wasn't doing my job, I was like, call Branch. And I was like, I got to get into doing helicopters. That's my job. So when I called them up, they were like, oh, well, here's your options. It was like uh, Fort Drum, Germany. In some other place it sucked. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, sweet. I'll, I'll go to Europe. I'll go to Germany. That sounds great. So I gave them my Social Security, and then they're like, oh, never mind. You're on orders to Korea. So really what happened is Branch fucked me over. But so I went to Korea. No problem. Uh, I enjoyed my time there. So maybe three or four months I was back in the states and then uh, did a year tour in uh, in Korea.
1: So do you have any idea what transferred you from Germany to Korea?
2: Why why they moved you? Cuz it's the military and they needed somebody to Korea and they don't they don't care. But you got to go to Korea,
1: which seems fun. Yeah, yeah. It,
2: it, it worked. It worked out. Yeah, it totally worked out fine. I enjoyed my time in Korea. All the K-pop. But when you compare it to like Europe and all the stuff that you could have done in Germany, you know, and and gone around. Korea is no Germany, is what you're saying. No, I, in my in my opinion, I would think not. But I've never been to Germany, so I don't know. Maybe Germany would have sucked. <laughs>
1: So, so you're you're moving forward to getting through your deployment. You end up back in the states. Uh, I'm assuming sometime in there, about there is where you met your wife.
2: It, it was not long before my second deployment we met. So we started kind of going out and dating. A little, uh, maybe like three or four months before my my last final deployment. Was she
1: in the military um, also, or is she a civilian? No, civilian. You're
0: in the army. Fort Hood, Korea. Fort Hood, Iraq. 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 What did you do when you got out? Where'd you Where'd you start working?
2: So 2008, I got out of the military. I had some built up uh, leave, obviously, from being deployed. So. I took terminal leave, what they call it, and then uh, kind of started looking around. Um, at first, I thought I was going to have to go down South Texas to Beeville. Kept looking around and uh, found Dynacor International at uh, Temple Airport here. Applied and kind of got the job there, so started working on Blackhawk helicopters there. It's um, The program is called a Reset Program, so they would take... Aircraft that have been, you know, deployed for a long amount of time and, um, you know, push them in and tear them all the way down. So we tear the engines, the swashplate, the heads, everything down, inspect all the frame, do all the sheet metal work and stuff. And then, uh, you know, different places the engines would go to another shop and get tore all the way down and inspected. The rotor head uh, would go to another shop and get all the way tore down. Um, my job was more just like tear it down, clean it up, inspect it, put it back together. And then they would go out and do test flights, uh, certify it as good and push it out to the units.
1: You On that page, you'll get a kick out of this. One of our farmer friends bought a helicopter in a crate, which was a small one that had never been assembled. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I, I think this would be a pretty good deal. It'd be worth quite a bit of money. And so he hired another farmer to put it together. And the, the farmer that put it together said, I won't finish it until you get your pilot's license. Because he knew if he put it together, that guy would just take off and fly and wreck and die. But Yeah, it happened. As far as I know, they never got that machine off the ground. The guy bought it, and then it sat in his garage, put together. All it needed was this one final fuel pump or something they wouldn't put together until they finally had it uh, (laughs) certified. Because he knew that guy was going to die if they put it together. I'll
0: figure this out on
1: trial and error. Yeah, so it's probably a good thing there's people like you that know what the hell you're doing to keep people like us
2: farmers from...
1: Flying helicopters out of our garage.
2: <laughs> it's expensive. Uh, rotor, rotor wing, like to get your license is really expensive. Yeah, I think he says like $10,000. Does that sound right? You could be right. I have no idea. It's our show. You can never make asked. up what you want. No, absolutely. No one's going to factor. Right. <laughs> yeah. Never aspired to check. I just know it. I know it's more expensive than fixed wing. I think a lot of it has to do with availability too. You you can get Cessnas, you know, left and right, but not everybody has a helicopter. So. Right
0: you were working for Dynacor International, just sending Hueys all over the place. So tell us uh, how, because right now you have a very impressive job, and I like to brag on you all the time saying that I got a, a very good friend that works for SpaceX. How did you get a job at SpaceX? How How much lying did you have to do on your resume?
2: Well, um, I, I think sometimes it's just the right place, right time. Um, I was uh, in the... I started looking because government contracts can be pretty brutal. Um, you know, they, they bid every couple of years and when they bid, they'll kind of undercut everybody. Um, and in doing so, it always ends up like taking something from you. Um, so at the time it was, uh, it went from Dynacor to CSC. Um, they got the contract and, and when underbidding it, they kind of liquidated a lot of our good, you know, benefits. Um, I think at the time I was paying close to like $800 a month for medical. Um, So it was a little bit much. Um, We had a a few friends that had looked at SpaceX. And of course, in 2011, I I didn't really know what the hell it was. Um, Nobody did. I applied and went in and did an interview. I I didn't do anything fancy with my resume. Um, Obviously, Dynacor was my first kind of real job. So... um, so wait, you know, I wait wasn't... stop
0: right there, Donnie, because here's how that resume looked. He worked at booze, washing dishes. Fine job. And then, and then, and then he went into the military, got out Dynacor
1: International. So he had three things
0: listed on his resume. Well,
1: and if you take it back a notch, if I remember right, he could do more pull-ups than any of us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Probably still good. So, so you had that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was definitely on there, more pull-ups. Right. And you know, mind you, out of the military, it was even better. You oh, know? I bet. Yeah. yeah, run five miles, and I'd be fine. So I just, uh, you know, I applied. Most of the older people that um, that I know that that applied around the same time, honestly, would tell you that they they felt like they bombed the interview, and they don't know what happened. Uh just got got lucky, right time, right place. They like me, and so you nailed the interview. Me. I don't know about all that, but yeah, sure. Well, a little I bit iron. I know you.
1: You just seem like one that handles pressure really well, and you're not going to get intimidated by a suit on the other side of the desk and, and interviewing you. So as far as I know, I'm assuming you probably handle that really well. probably helps. Make sense? Uh, maybe
2: yeah. so. I'd like to think so. I felt like I was shitting bricks, but
1: <laughs> you never know. Just cool and calm. <laughs> so have you
0: Have you ever had any
1: interview experience, Brett? Very little. Um, I had one guy ask me when I was getting to work with Brett Elliott. He said, is he worth his shit? And Brett said, yeah, he's all right. All right, he's got the job. That's about (laughs) it. That's perfect. Right. That's perfect.
0: Uh, I once uh, When I applied for the uh, job in Burlington, Iowa, I went to the interview, and I was going through it, and I just thought, I am not doing well, so I'm going to make it a good story. So I just cut loose. The real Frank came out? The real Frank came out. You've got the interview person, and then I was like, I'm not getting this job. I'm going to make it fun, so when I tell Donnie about it later, he'll laugh for years. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I was screwing it up, and they're like, well, we need you to fill out an application. So I filled it out in a crayon. (laughs) because <laughs> it was sitting there on the deal so i was like this will be funny so i did that and then she asked me for a list of references i i sent her a bunch of numbers and, and people and i said if you could not call this guy i owe him money i don't want him to know i'm getting a job <laughs> yeah and then she said that's what that's what sealed the deal and why i got it
1: what and that was a job in burlington yeah afternoons
2: on nice. kdmg yep.
0: 101 or 103.1 big country now they owe
1: us five bucks Nice. The, yeah
2: the uh the crayon thing in in our industry or in our neck of the what we do we would call that scrappy not crappy <laughs> so nailed
1: it well, I'm gonna kind of fast forward to present are we moving towards present day yeah well I just wanted I want to know what he yeah, does so, yeah. yeah. SpaceX and so we'll- yeah what do you do day to day I mean if you do, I mean how much can you get into how much can you can't because I, I know you guys are building um, rockets to fight Russia and stuff like that so
2: <laughs> we, don't, we don't we don't get into that stuff yeah I, I don't know how much fight they got left in them. I, I'm pretty sure we're winning so I, I started 2011 as a as a test technician so using my material mechanical background that I had in aviation. I started out uh, working the development program for Merlin 1D, which is the company's current first stage flight engine. At the time, we were still flying what we called 1.0, which had uh, M1C engines in it.
1: So you're talking um, the engine that burns the first part of a flight of a rocket, is that right?
2: Yeah, the first stage. Okay. Yeah, is what we would call. It. Or the the long stick, the pusher that gets it off the ground and or not the spacecraft, I guess. Okay. So I started off developing the new engine that we were going to. M1C, we just needed a little bit more power. So started off developing that for several years. As that program moved out of a development stage and into qualification, I, I followed that. And then further into what we call uh, ATP or acceptance test program.
1: Hold, on, I want to. I want to pause you there for a second. How much horsepower are we talking on these these machines, these rockets, these engines? Because 40 probably is probably seventy. <laughs> yeah, 80. that's I, quite a bit.
2: We don't really go necessarily by horsepower. Pounds of thrust. What, what do one. you go by? What do what you got? Newton meters. Um, yeah, thrust. So uh, the original M one D that that I originally helped develop was one hundred and twenty one thousand pounds of thrust. How about like that um, Jetta you had. Yeah, that Jetta. That was yeah. a good car. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that thing. <laughs> uh, the The current model. So what we've done is uh, continue to iterate and improve upon the design continuously. So the initial model was 121,000 pounds. That is the engine that went. If you go on YouTube or or whatever, you can see the actual flight of what we call Grasshopper in in Texas on the facility that I work. So anybody interested can uh, YouTube Grasshopper, SpaceX, and you'll see some of those flights. So I helped develop that flight engine. As we moved on, we said, oh, we need more power. We designed it a little bit different, got to 147,000 pounds of thrust, and then moved up and up in there. The current model, I think, is 196. Thousand
1: pounds? That's a fair increase. It's a little bit. Yeah. uh, How does that work? Because
0: the big thing about SpaceX is that they're reusing the rocket. So they go up so far and then the payload shoots out, right? And then they bring the rocket back down. And that's what the grasshopper is. It's the legs that fold out and land on the the floating pad in the middle of the ocean.
2: Yeah. So uh, if you look up grasshopper, that was our initial test of the idea. We want to vertically land. Let's figure it out. And that's what we did here. So Grasshopper had a few flights and uh, had some diverted. It's it some really cool stuff to look up to kind of understand. But it was just a single engine.
0: So how does that how does that land? Because you've that obviously got to have
1: the enough thrust left in to, to slow it back down. So landing like a helicopter or like a parachute?
2: It, it's under power. So what they do is actually throttle the engine. So at certain points, you're actually throttling the power to, to be able to land. And of course, there's a lot of stuff that I don't understand as far as like you know weight and stuff like that. So
0: weight is just how much heavy it is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that is correct. But you know there is you know power to weight ratio. You gotta if you have so much weight, then you got to have so much power to get off the ground and and leave Earth's orbit. You know, but uh, we, we throttle the engines. So that that's what it is. The there's another use for throttling engines too. As as we're launching, we'll go through what they call max Q. So it's as we're leaving the atmosphere, it's uh, the the most dynamic pressure on the rocket. So the best thing to do is to slow it down. So actually, as we're leaving the atmosphere, we throttle the rocket down, and then as we punch through, we'll. Push forward, and they talk about that in all the launches. If, if you ever watch a launch and they say, Okay, we're going through max Q, that's what that is.
0: Oh, that, that was my first guess. Yeah, yeah, he was telling me about it before we called you, Donnie. What's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and tell me if we don't want to talk about it, but I'm sitting here with, with Brad, who's a, a miracle when it comes to uh, bad accidents, and then we're also talking <laughs> to you, who had a, a pretty big spill as well
1: on a yeah. truck wreck, right? Yeah, yeah, because you got a uh, Catastrophic pickup accident.
2: Yeah, it was uh 2015. Uh, I was coming into work and cruising along about I don't know 55 or so, and uh, there was a a contractor that had a a large you know all terrain forklift or sky track if that helps anybody understand. And it it wasn't well lit and early in the morning, so I just never seen it. Ended up uh, smacking into it, just basically running it down in the lane. Ended up breaking both legs, crushed my heel dislocated my wrist with some fractures inside of there too. Because it broke my tibia, there was at, at least three tendons that were cut all the way or ripped yes. in half all the way, and then you know some other damage to other tendons that are in there.
0: So you had to learn to walk again and how to love.
2: A little bit. I mean, walking was pretty natural, but you know, you're you know, after like a couple of weeks of not using your muscle, your body shuts that shit down. Yeah, like it just doesn't feed it. Deteriorating yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it was. September and I started kind of walking towards uh maybe January ish time frame. Oh wow. So I I don't and know if we, I maybe strolled around the island when I wasn't supposed to but you know no big <laughs> yeah. deal. You
1: and I maybe never really touched base on this thing where we have this common ground. I had a Lieutenant Dan moment where I'm like, is that the best you got? You can't do me. And I'm in my wheelchair and throwing stuff. Did you ever have a moment like that where you're just kind of angry at God and all the people for making this happen to you? You never had that? Just me flying by myself?
2: Um, Not not so much, uh, you know, angry at anybody else. I I definitely have moments where, you know, things hurt. You know, it doesn't help that we're getting old either, but, you know, things hurt. So particularly my heel uh, causes me a lot of problems. Um, and it's more like an internal message that, you know, it's like, fuck you pain. I'm going to do what I want more of that type of thing. So just kind of pushing through. Yeah. Pushing through the day to day. Yeah. The day to day of like, you know, I not, not allowing the something like that to slow you down and and prevent you from getting done what you want to get done.
1: I feel
0: the same way about parenting. Yeah. I'm not going to let them kids slow me down. Yeah, we're
1: going to live our life.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I just gotta smack them around a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> melatonin.
1: <laughs> oh, my kids love melatonin. They're hey, Dad, I'm time for bed. Give me my dose, and we we keep a bottle of <laughs> two and a half for them and ten for me and my wife. It's in a Culligan bottle, right at the top of the stairs. <laughs> Give me the good stuff, <laughs> but they love it. It helps Get them that. sleep.
0: So obviously, your job is is pretty demanding you got to be there quite a bit. Well what is your what's your position now cuz you're a you're a supervisor, right?
2: Yes, yeah. Um it's been uh I mean just for the sake of saying if anybody's listening uh, you know a little over 11 years now. So I did move up from uh, a regular technician to a, a lead technician, which kind of put me in a position to uh, a little bit of leadership but um in a, in the way I was, I, I would take control of the stand. So, um, we were doing a lot of testing. The engine would come up. I would put it in a, in a position to test it and then do acceptance testing or whatever type of testing needed to happen. From there, I guess it was five or five or six years ago, I got, I got picked up for the supervisor role and that role's been kicked around here and there as as the team grew and the mission changed. I used to be in charge of the Merlin test stands and the engine shop at one point in time. That team grew and it got just too much for one person, so we split off to another supervisor and and I lost control of the test stands and moved into the engine shop itself. Shortly after, you know, the the current role that I'm in, Raptor, which is our New and greater engine. Uh, that's that's what we're launching down south, or working to launch down south and in, in Boca Chica and or Starbase, and of course the the Starship rocket is our eventual moon rocket and and Mars, like moon and beyond.
1: It it almost does sound um, like a movie we're talking about. It, it really does, especially <laughs> with the the FaceTime
0: yeah. we got going, and it is just very yeah, very sci-fi right now.
2: It's really like crazy. Like I said uh, earlier in the chat you know i i never envisioned um like any of this stuff ever in my future that uh i'm i'm not a kid that grew up like looking at nasa and thinking oh man i gotta do that it's just not it it wasn't something that i ever aspired to or or even thought about i guess
0: and now you're turning Um, down offers you're like fuck nasa i got spacex i got uncle elon (laughs) over here me and biggie are going at it uh,
2: I, I haven't looked over the fence. Uh, there's certainly other other companies that are around and up and coming. It doesn't hurt to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine
0: he's got he's got a great he, he, his. Uh, I've been to Donnie's house uh, a couple times, and you've got a beautiful spread down there in in, uh, in Texas, Donnie and uh you showed me around the uh the house the other day uh when we were checking this uh the signal and he's got he's got yeah. his own mechanic shop he's got uh a hen house game room for his wife I his, can see uh, the compound
1: behind him it looks fantastic oh it's a beautiful home
2: absolutely <laughs> it's, beautiful it's the front room yeah,
1: yeah. and it's yeah. a gorgeous front room
2: I'm sitting at the kitchen island and then you know that's that's what's behind but yeah thank you um i'm by the way out of uh, by the way that
0: kitchen island is bigger than this studio.
1: Well, that's pretty massive. This duty is at least 40 by 50.
0: Uh, so, uh, so Donnie, let's, uh, let's talk about your personal life here. You, you, you work, uh, you work hard. How's the
1: marriage?
2: Good. Uh, well, I think we're going on. We figured just the other day, four, 14 years coming up on 14 years married. So I think that makes it 16 together ish or something like that. Um, kids are great. Um, I don't know how they got so smart, but uh, they, they sure are, and uh, that that works out good for me. Yeah. You didn't use their um, brains, so they got it. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I had
0: extra. Um, <laughs> I had to yeah. So let's talk about uh, your your extracurricular stuff, because you do some serious redneck shit.
2: Oh, yeah. Rednecks um, with paychecks. Yeah. I, I love that type of stuff. I mean, rednecks with paychecks is a good party, but it's more of a party um i definitely like to ride um I, I like to just get muddy and you know drink some beer and ride four-wheelers for those who don't do know and, yeah well i have a side-by-side side too but the four-wheeler's more made for mud but yeah we i got a couple friends and uh we we just like doing that drinking beer and riding around and getting muddy
1: oh we're going to edit that out um, we don't
2: Speaking of drinking beer, we're actually drinking Brad,
0: Brad and I have crushed three beers apiece piece uh, sitting here talking with you and I haven't seen you take a drink in like twenty five minutes.
2: <laughs> yeah we're gonna, we're gonna edit I'm that out. to I'm trying to chooch everybody up to like me, <laughs> see?
1: <laughs> Him and Elon are going for stockholders. Yeah, they got a stockholder meeting.
2: Yeah, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't I don't want to get them stocks down. I I gotta retire sometime. So <laughs> oh, there it is.
0: Is that uh is That's that a, a white claw? Is that a red bull? What was that? Ain't no this law. Cooler's Light.
2: Ain't this no law. Light. That was the skinniest Cooler's Light. Okay. The way you the way you handled oh, no. that. Look at those coolers mitts. Cooler's Light are actually uh, a little bit, yeah, they are a little bit taller, I think, than your average beer. Is that in an eight-ounce can, or do you
1: have giant hands? I just
2: got really big hands, I guess.
1: I don't know. That's what she said.
0: Oh, my God. Those are, <laughs> look at the mitts. How did I never notice those mitts before? <laughs>
2: Yeah, unfortunately, it makes everything else look smaller, too. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Especially when it starts out small. Uh, ah.
2: Extracurricular stuff, I guess. Uh, besides riding and stuff like that, um, I, I do have the opportunity to do some hunting. So um, dove hunting is a little bit easier. I can do that in the yard. But we have um, – it's a high-fence area. I don't want to call it necessarily like a lease because we know the, the guy lives there, and, and we know him pretty well. So we do some deer hunting and a little bit of management type stuff.
1: So you're in Texas. How's your rodeo career?
2: <laughs> no no rodeo in for me. <laughs> um, I, that was too fake. Legs. I actually uh, am not a fan of horses at all. I don't really like them. They're big. They're powerful. It seems like any time they want, they just fuck your shit up. So I just avoid horses.
0: Which is why they measure things in thrust and not horsepower.
2: That's yeah, why, that's, that's, that's why you do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so is there anything Donnie that, uh, that we need to know about, uh, you before we wrap this up? I don't know. Slow walks on the beach. I'm an Aquarius. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your, what are your plans uh, after you're done working? You said what's you wanted a, to retire. What's on the
2: bucket list? I don't, I don't really know. Um, I've certainly thought about retirement. I, I hope that, uh, I have the opportunity at some point in time, you know, obviously. Uh, any rural listeners if you want to go ahead and buy starlink that'd be okay by me from terminator (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so right now we have the largest constellation in in orbit for for the whole world um and that's starlink it's over three thousand satellites that's impressive it's been working really good i'm super excited about you know obviously making money but uh i i think um Another way I try to look at it is they're looking at uh, other areas like Africa and stuff like that, which they they historically don't have, you know, access to information like that. So if you're able to give somebody access to information and, you know, uh, help with education and learning and stuff like that, um, I, I really think that it's a, a tool that can help the world in a, in a, a lot of ways. So I, I hope that that keeps going.
1: Yeah, that's a noble feat. I mean, that's obviously these several countries need the access to first world resources to learn about what's going on in the rest of the world. Is that what you're saying, right? I mean, I agree. No, he's
0: saying he owns stock in Starlink and he wants people to buy it. Oh, okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I own stock in SpaceX, which (laughs) SpaceX is Starlink. Uh, But yeah, I'm saying that too, you know. Um, But it's cool shit. Uh, We just got approval not too long ago from uh, FCC, so now we are uh, allowed to put starlink on just about anything so like if you want to go rving you can take your mobile starlink and have internet wherever you want to go um they're working towards putting it on airplanes cruise ships just huh. wherever sounds like a um, hell of a deal Donnie. yeah pretty neat like they have some small stuff coming out you can buy like a backpack and i don't know, backpack into the woods and find a place and plug some shit in and there you go
0: i've always wanted to beat internet. off in the smoky mountains
2: yeah, never, yeah. well
0: now you got some content to now do. Now I got it. Now I got it. Just get a backpack and a, a jerk rag and, and
2: go hike. It. Yeah. I just pine cone it up. Why not? Oh, that sounds greedy. It sounds yeah. That's yeah. Sometimes you like it rough.
0: <laughs> well, Donnie, I feel like we've taken a lot of your time, and you've got uh, to things that there at the ranch that need tending to. So I appreciate your time, and uh, I love you, buddy.
2: Yeah, love you all. Thanks for uh, chatting. Good to see you, Brad. Hey, I it's know, good seeing you, sir. It's been a long time. Yeah, maybe next time I get up there, I'll uh, drink a beer with you for real.
1: I'd love to have it. Virtual beers are just as good. Yeah, virtual beers are just as good. Yep, look us up when you're in town and uh, safe travels and keep the rockets flying. Will do. Thank you all. All right, that's uh, our good buddy, Donnie. Hey, this
0: is uh, One More and We All Go. You can uh, listen to us on Spotify on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe so more people get to hear this uh, great stuff.
1: All right, thanks everybody.